All right, it's Wednesday. You know what that means. Another episode of the Stewcast. And uh, today we got a, a great show for you. Coming up, Sean Belisian of Woodward Sports. Talk a little ice hockey. Talk a little puck action. Get, get some uh, Lions draft talk going. Um, they'll find an amazing way to uh, absolutely bungle it. But we'll, we'll get his opinion. We lead off, though with a, a returning guest, a guy I have a lot of respect for, a lot of admiration for. I know you guys do too, based on uh, the amount of listens we get every time he's on. He is the big man on campus and also the host of the Sit Down Podcast of Mafia History at Sit Down 7, at the Sit Down 7 on Twitter, Jeff Nadu. Jeff, how are you, brother? Pretty good. How are you, Al? Thanks for having me on. Hey man, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, I, I'm I'm doing great talking with you as always, bro. This I was telling you a little bit off air. This sit down is phenomenal. I I love it. I really loved the last show. I liked the first show too with Blackjack. Um, tell the folks uh, if they haven't listened yet what it's about. Yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for the the kind words on the show. Yeah, you know it's. Uh, you know, it was summer. I'd always wanted to do something like this and uh, finally got an opportunity to kind of put something out. It's basically a show that uh, caters to, to mob uh, history, organized crime history, drug gang history. Uh, every week we get into kind of a different topic, kind of feature a biography. And we really do it in kind of a funner, a fun way. It's not just uh, we sit there and talk, uh, you know, in, in, in one tone, you know, we get into conversations, we talk about law, we talk about all sorts of things, but uh, we kind of try to feature, you know, obviously some of the early shows are about more popular gangsters, but uh, it's going to get into a little bit uh, more of the unknown guys, you know, guys out of, you know, Denver and New Orleans and, um, you know, drug gangs and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's been fun so far. We had a couple episodes out already. We had uh, Vincent Giganti, The Chin. We did Nikki Scarfo. Uh, we've got uh, the Mafia Cops coming up this week. We got obviously a John Gotti show we're going to do and all sorts of other stuff. So, yeah, it's it's something that, you know, if you enjoy the mob, um, we kind of deliver the info in, you know, not I, I think, you know, in the mob genre, there, there aren't a ton of shows doing it and you know, first of all, there aren't a ton of shows that are doing it organically. They're just kind of reading off of a, of a Wikipedia. But we also, you know, a lot of these shows will get into interviewing, you know, kind of real crumb people, you know, informants and things like that. We kind of steer clear of that. We don't necessarily talk about necessarily today. We talk about more of the history, getting into some of the colorful folks that uh, this country has seen. So, um, yeah, give it a give it a listen, give it a follow and uh, maybe you'll enjoy it. Well, I, I certainly do. You can get it wherever you're getting your podcast. Subscribe. Give it five stars. It's it's really good. The stories. The, the one thing I really like is you give a story from start to finish. And you guys are very descriptive. So when you're listening, uh, it's my gym podcast on Wednesdays when it drops. So it, it's like I can go a full workout and start to finish be I can get out of my head and I can just do a workout. And so it's perfect. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the, the goal of the show. I mean, I think it's important to kind of try to put some info out there that maybe isn't necessarily being talked about or hasn't been talked about. You know, we all know about certain things with, with the John Gotti's of the world or Al Capone's, but 
you know, I kind of want to get into other people. There are some really fascinating characters in the history of, of, of organized crime. And it's always been something that's moved the needle as far as, you know, I remember when I was at Barstow, anytime I would write a blog on the mob, you know, it would get really well recepted. And um, yeah, it, it, it's a fun thing. I have a passion for it. So yeah, we'll just kind of keep it up. We're going to do it the rest of the summer and see where it goes from there. But uh, yeah, check it out. I appreciate the words about it. No worries, man. I appreciate the work. Uh, it, there's a bunch of things I want to pick your brain about. I have to start just, you know, for shits and giggles here. Got to start with college basketball. It's it's one of my favorite sports. Uh, it's it's something that is a passion for you. It's transfer season. I'll, I'll start vaguely and then move with some more pointed questions here. In this offseason, transfers it, it like have completely taken over the game. I, I think this is the the first year where it's like really like every single day, 50, 100 new guys in the transfer. And they're real names. Uh, Marcus Carr, uh, you know, Shibway, uh, you know, even though he went in uh, quite a while ago. You've got a lot of Walker Kessler, et cetera, guys that you just – that had roles that are just gone, like new coach gone. Um, what's your take on the transfer portal as far as its overall benefit to NCAA? Is it a positive or a negative? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, to me personally, I, I think it's, you know, it's an interesting thing to keep track of, but is it good for basketball? I think the basketball that I like, no, not particularly. I mean, I, I, I like the kind of the smaller mid-major kind of stuff. And I think those are the schools that really get uh, kind of punished from it. Uh, but in creating the, the best teams possible, I think it's really great for the bat for, for basketball. And I think it's something that's, that's necessary. Um, it's, it's something that you have to stay abreast to. You have to understand, you know, what's going on. Uh, and that's why college basketball is kind of a yearly uh, around the clock kind of thing. You have to understand, you know, who's going where, um, you know, what players are eligible, you know, even with this year, you know, what players have, have come back when, you know, they have the extra year of eligibility. So, you know, and then there's guys that just kind of sit are always in it. I mean, you really can't keep track of what teams they're on. So is it good for basketball? Um you know, I think I think for obviously the, the high for for the grand scheme of things, probably because most college basketball fans enjoy uh, the NCAA tournament and they enjoy the top 25. And, you know, those are the teams that really benefit from the transfer portal. Um, if 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 you're looking at, you know, if you're a fan of, I don't know, um, Portland basketball or, or, or a team like you know, from a, a Patriot league or, or the Ivy or something like that. Not really because the best talent you have, I mean, it's, it's not happening anymore where a kid will stay on a team his entire career. Uh, that just doesn't really happen much. You know, you, you go back a couple of years ago, a kid, uh, Anthony lamb, who was at Vermont, yeah. Anthony lamb could have transferred. He, he'd have, he'd have fit really well on a big time team, but you know, he was you know, a guy that stayed and there are kids that will do it, but, uh, it just doesn't happen much. And a lot of it is from, you know, coaching stuff and, you know, they were rec uh, kind of recruited by someone or whatever, but um, I, I think it has its benefits and it has its, its downsides. Uh, some of the players that uh, have come in and, and already made some transfer moves the other day, um, 
Groves leaving uh, Eastern Washington, yeah. headed to Oklahoma. You see some of these guys that you, you know, for guys like me and you who, who really do pay attention to the mid-majors and the smaller schools, because uh, you got me turned on to, to watching those games, and I actually enjoyed them a lot more than the Power Five. Are, are there a couple players from those mid-major schools that come to mind um, or smaller schools moving up the ladder? Because I, I think when transfers, what people need to understand is there's guys from the Power Five that just aren't going to hang there. Um, I, you know, I look at Michigan State, Thomas Kithier, he leaves. Uh, Jack Hoiberg, he leaves. Where do they go? Uh, Texas, Arlington, and Valpo. They're not Power Five talent. But at Texas Arlington or Valpo, they might be good. So in that interchange, the guys moving up to the Power Five conferences, are there any guys you got your eyes on or any moves that have really stood out to you as like, oh, this might be real interesting in a few months when we start really dissecting the conferences? Yeah, you know, and I think that's a point where you can make that college basketball transfers are good because you have a kid that maybe doesn't get the run that he wanted at a Michigan State or at an LSU sure. and – he goes down to Valpo or, or South Dakota and he plays, you know, really well. And then there's kind of the turn of, of a kid that's out of South Dakota and goes to, you know, Texas tech, like a Matt Moody did a couple of years ago, uh, a kid that, that I'll come out and talk about right away. Um, and I think, you know, this team is, I think, you know, they were pretty relevant late in the season. And I think they're going to be the favorite going into the season next year in the sec, uh, Arkansas. Um, you, you look at going out and getting a kid in, uh, in, in um, Stanley Amidi, who, you know, outside of um, of the kid from Moore Roberts, um, Aismas, I mean, Amidi was the best scorer in the country. I mean, he is a kid that is just instant offense. And when you look at how they set up coming into the season, they also went out and got Chris Likes, the point guard from, from Miami, who's just kind of a water bug player. They're going to fit really well together. They got Aldis Tony from Pittsburgh. So that one, two, three is really good. But you look at last year, they brought in a kid um, from uh, Jacksonville, J.D. Note. He turned into the sixth man of the year. He was kind of a breakout player for the, the Razorbacks. And I think Umidi is going to be the same type of player. Umidi just gets buckets. Uh, 22 points a game, seven boards last year. Had a couple of games where he dropped 40. Uh, on a team. I remember he dropped 40 on, on South Dakota state pretty easily. Um, this is a big kid, six, six, got great size, can play multiple positions. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the more important transfers to a team uh, as we head in. And then, you know, one other one, and I think I've talked to you about this, getting stability at point guard was big for Michigan state. Um, yep. You know, rocket Watts didn't really work out. They really haven't had a, a replacement. Didn't have one last year for Cassius Winston. And, you know, Tyson Walker is going to be that Tyson Walker is a do-it-all point guard. He obviously can handle the basketball, but he's also very good uh, 19 points a game. He can kind of slide into the backcourt and be uh, just a really good piece. He's not Cassius Winston, but he's not that far off. He's a really solid a college basketball player. And he's really going to stabilize a position that you must have. Okay. If you don't have it, you are not going to win. Okay? It's pretty simple. Um, you know, you look at a Florida state that was their, uh, Achilles heel at the end of the day, they didn't have a point guard. Uh, they have had a lot of talent over the years, but if you can't bring the basketball up and get it to your bigs and to your other players, it's not going to mean too much. If you're turning the ball over 20, 21% of the time, it's not going to get the job done. So, you know, and, and I'll be interested to see what kind of 
some of these kids like like a Namari Burnett, who was at Texas Tech. Namari Burnett was a McDonald's All-American coming out of high school. Goes to Texas Tech, only plays in 12 games. Um, you know, and, and I goes to Alabama, should be able to figure into a way better um, situation there, a, a good backcourt and a good upside. Javon Quinterly went there and did really good after failing at Villanova. So, yeah, I'm pretty high on, on some of these moves, especially uh, the Umidi and the uh, Tyson Walker decision. Well, that's good to hear. And you know what, what the best part is? All these names are guys you brought up during the season. Um, I'm big man on basketball. So, folks, pay attention to the big man on campus because it pays off uh, in the off season as you're getting ready for the next year. So, yeah. Uh, I, I hope next year I'm listening to uh, the big man on campus doing doing a show here about college basketball. Well, I, you know, look, you're going to get your wish. Uh, I don't know, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to get something, okay? It's not going to – I'm not gonna, just going to – you know, I've kind of taken a break from content for a little bit. But, um, you know, I, you know, the, the busy seasons for, for our business is, you know, basically August until – till April. So uh, the summer's a little bit more laid back. That's why I'm able to do stuff like the sit down. I have one show I'm starting. That's just going to be kind of a, a daily NBA look until the, the playoffs. And then, you know, kind of get focused on football. So, you know, the season um, for gamblers are, are kind of spaced out, you know, summer's usually, you know, you stay busy, try to get busy until the end of July. And then, you know, by August one, you're, you're starting to look at, uh, you know, getting ready for football and, and basketball and, and doing it the whole time. So, you know, th this season is particularly exciting because, you know, we didn't necessarily have this last year. Um, there's a lot more stability around kind of what the future is for, for where we're going in this country. So I'm pretty excited about it. I just can't wait till you take that that uh, tour of as many college basketball stadiums yeah, as you that's, can get to. That, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. That that's obviously something that I that I'd like to do. Um, we'll see down the road how we can figure that out. I have the ability to do it. Um, yeah, I don't have any family or, or a wife or anything, so it's something that I could do. Uh, it's kind of something I want to do before I I go to that point in my life. So yeah, um, that's kind of an idea that I have down the road. So yeah, we'll make it happen. I just need to see a, a video of you in the Devil's Den down in Mississippi. Yeah. Down at uh, Mississippi Valley. Yeah. I, you know, I plan to go to all of them, you know, I, and it'll be tough. I mean, there's almost 360 schools uh, who knows if there'll be any additions this year, but you know, I've talked to guys like Lavelle Moten down at North Carolina central and he, he gave me a, a confirmation that I'll have courtside seats. So beautiful. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting in, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and, and I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I think does make, some of what I do a little difficult and I don't mean to talk about Barstool, but I think one of the issues that I had ultimately at Barstool with the show that I had was, you know, doing stuff like a, a college basketball tour, you know, I, I think that would be really an easy thing to do. The problem is it's hard for me to do it just because schools don't necessarily want to align with someone that gambles for a living. And yeah. that's kind of the issue, but yeah, there were a lot of coaches that were super cool, you know, whether it was, you know, Moten or Mooney at Richmond or whoever, I talked to a lot of people behind the scenes that, you know, again, the show didn't last, but um, yeah, that's something I'm going to hope to kind of make as a, a one big show. You know, we have a little gambling talk, but it's not totally gambling. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see what works out.
another, we're talking about coaches. I mean, that's the other end of the spectrum and in, in the moving and shaking of college basketball. I, I'm going to ask you specifically uh, before I, I do want to know what your, you know, least favorite and favorite moves in totality so far have been, but I know a mutual friend of ours hit, hit the absolute proverbial roof. Uh, Scott Bernstein was not a big fan of Mike Woodson uh, being the pick. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't know that Brad Stevens was offered a billion dollars and turned it down um, at the time. But is Mike Woodson like, that's just such a random pick uh, for Indiana. What, what's your take on that situation? And, Again, you know, what's your favorite move, least favorite move? Yeah, I mean, if the Brad Stevens thing is uh, true, I you, you got to wonder. I mean, I, I don't know if Brad Stevens just doesn't want to go coach in college, but, you know, I don't know. That's that's kind of crazy uh, to, to think. Ten mil a year. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, I mean, Brad Stevens makes like $4 million a year. I mean, that's more than double the amount. Uh, it's close to triple the amount and it's probably way better. I mean, not that the Celtics isn't a cool place to coach, but I mean, college, I feel like is the, the best spot. I mean, you, you kind of are in control of the players and you can kind of, I think really coach. I, I don't, I didn't understand that. Um, as far as Mike Woodson, I, you know, I didn't hate Mike Woodson. I know a lot of people do. Um, is Mike, you know, a little out of touch maybe, but He's still only 63 years old. I think when it really comes down to it, um, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it. I mean, most of the recruits that are coming to Indiana or any school in America uh, are young black men. And I think Mike Woodson offers a really cool kind of career and life in basketball. I think he's a good kind of father figure type. Um, kind of maybe like a Herm Edwards kind of was at, uh, at, at Arizona state really kind of rejuvenated and renaissance to, uh, a program that had been struggling. Keep in mind, Mike Woodson played at, at Indiana. Um, you know, he's from Indianapolis. Uh, it's kind of his home and, you know, he's had a pretty good career. Um, you know, I, I think people kind of overreact to, to him. He was, I thought pretty damn good with the Knicks, um, you know, given the circumstances um, as far as my least favorite hires, my favorite hires. I mean, my favorite hire was probably Tommy Lloyd uh, from, for uh, Arizona. I thought that was uh, frankly, one of the best hires in a long time in college basketball. I it mean, makes a lot of sense. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, you know, a guy like Lloyd is a lot of people don't know much about him, but he's kind of the architect of, of Gonzaga basketball. Mark few is, is obviously the, the head guy, but you know, when you look at Lloyd, he's the guy that really brings all those European kids. He's the recruiter. He's the guy that goes out and really does a lot of the legwork for, uh, for the program. And I had wondered for a while why he didn't take his own job. Um, and you know, he finally did, which I'm glad because, you know, at the end of the day, he's, I think going to do really well. That's not an easy program. Uh, that program has a lot of issues right now. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I thought that was a great one. As far as a down hire, a hire that I, I wasn't a big fan of, I don't know, probably Texas Tech. Uh, you know, you lose Chris Beard and you promote 
uh, Mark Adams. You know, I feel like you cut a kind of maybe a different way there. There's not really a lot of sizzle with that. Uh, now, again, you know, it always could work out. And, you know, Mark Adams at the end of the day is a defensive guy, so they're not going to go too far away from uh, what they've been doing there. But to go from Beard to Mark Adams is is kind of like going from, you know, Kim Kardashian to like, you know, a chick at the bar. <laughs> you know, I, it's, you know, yeah, you, you have royalty and then you have just someone, you know, so and I don't know. Look, that's not always I- important, but I feel like I have a pretty good radar of whether a coach will work out. I'm kind of on the positive with Adams long term, but I think up front, it, it, it's not really sizzling. It doesn't really get you that excited, I think, as a fan. What what are your thoughts on the Porter Moser move to Oklahoma? I mean, kind of came out of the blue. You kind of felt like, oh, maybe he'll just stay at Loyola Chicago, possibly. Maybe he's just one of those guys. Are you kind of surprised he ended up at Oklahoma and not going to like a bigger name program? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess in that kind of case, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I thought – you know, he'd have been a decent name for the Carolina job. Um, you know, that might've been a little high, but yeah, I think Oklahoma's turned into a, a pretty good program. I mean, keep in mind, it is a football school as we know, but you know, the big 12 is really the second best conference in the country. And you know, long Kruger did some good things for a long time. They've had a good history there with you know Blake Griffin and buddy healed and you Trey know, young. Yeah, tr- exact Trey young. So it, it's been a good um, kind of go of it for Kruger and, I think it's home run higher. I mean, I like Moser a lot. Loved him at Loyola. Thought he was, you know, I think, outside of, you know, few, if you still put them in the mid-major basket, I, I think Porter Moser's right there. And, you know, you already see some of the fruits of his labor. I mean, he went out and got the Groves kids to come there. Uh, just got some uh, word that Jordan Goldwire, the Duke point guard, is going to oh, go wow. and play. So, yeah, and that's big for them because if you know anything about Goldwire, he's a, a really terrific defensive player, which – Obviously, we know with uh, Moser, his teams are always very good defensively, and that's something that you know they've been they've done some really good things at for a long time. Oklahoma teams are always very fundamental, play great defense, rebound, don't turn it over, turn you over. Um, they just re- really do. That's a great pickup. Uh, Goldwire is a really good player. And- he, he was one of the few things that that worked on Duke last year. Yeah, and that, and again, he fits there perfect. Plays good defense, doesn't turn a ball over, and you kind of pair him with Harkless uh, there. Now, again, a lot of kids have left um, uh, University of Oklahoma. A couple kids are gone now, but you know they're going to bring in kids that uh, I think are going to be uh, kind of fitting to the program, and I think they're going to be a really tough team. They'll be a team that will make the tournament next year. One last college basketball question I, I have to ask just because of our friends in Jersey, and I'll never hear the end of it. Uh, Steve Peichel built a, a real nice program at Rutgers, yet Rutgers got a lot of pieces in the transfer portal. And overall in the Big Ten, we're seeing a lot of movement out of the Big Ten. Um, is Do you have any, like, very early thoughts? I know we, we haven't seen, like, how recruiting's going to go and and where all the pieces are going to fall. But do you have any early thoughts on on Rutgers in the in the Big Ten as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think we can obviously give Pico credit for kind of creating 
a you know a team that's a little bit more exciting, obviously. Uh, and obviously they're a little bit more of a factor, but I think ultimately they're not and haven't really answered the bell. Uh, they've had some good and talented teams, but I haven't really done anything with them. As far as the Big Ten as a whole, you know, look, Michigan's going to be your favorite next year with the class that they have coming in. Um, you know, the number one recruiting class, uh, there's a lot of excitement with it. You know, Eli Brooks is going to stay, you know, they'll get some other kids to come back as well. Uh, and again, the transfer portal continues to be interesting. You know, does a kid like Marcus Carr, uh, does a yeah, kid like yeah. Jacob Young, you know, do, do they kind of, I've heard they may consider jumping ship. Jalen Pickett is on the transfer portal kid out of Seattle. Um, you know, there's some talk of maybe him moving around. So, you know, they're, they're not done. Uh, they're going to be your favorite regardless, just because, you know, they have such a great class coming in and kids that come in, that are coming back. A, a team that I'm going to keep talking about is Purdue. Uh, I, I liked them a lot last year. Uh, obviously came up short against North Texas. That was just kind of a, a tough matchup for them. But, um, you know, when you look at the roster coming back, there's a lot of excitement around it. I mean, Eric Hunter, I, I think, is the best defender in the league, really. Uh, Jalen Ivey, um, he, I thought he was terrific. I mean, he, he really came on towards the end of the season. You know, they get the Stefanovic. Uh, he's going to move. I think he'll be back probably just with the extra year. Trevian Williams maybe as well. And then you got Zach Eady, who really kind of came into his own. He's only a sophomore. So I think there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, Brandon Newman as well, Mason Gillis. And who knows what they'll do in the portal. So, yeah, I, I think they're a team to really keep your eye on. They're going to be in that 15, 20 to 1 range. If, uh, and, and I keep hearing this, so I, I have to ask you, because um, you're plugged in. I keep hearing that Imani Bates, it's, it's uh, it might be a little bit better than a 50-50 shot that he reclasses and goes to MSU. Um, it, if he comes into Michigan State, how do you look at that dynamic versus the Big Ten? Is Michigan still the kind of maybe the prohibitive favorite with Purdue right there? Um, does Michigan State bump up to number one? Do they go h- higher? Um, in your overall rankings, how would you view that situation if it were to occur? Well, look, I mean, if he reclassifies and look with Kithier moving on, I mean, you have a roster spot uh, and a scholarship up for him. Uh, um, Langford uh, today retired. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to have room for him. Um, I, I think it's really and, and if you're him, I think you have to try to do it. I mean, a lot of kids have have done it in the past and uh yeah, I, I think you'd have to put them right up there, especially with getting a guy like uh, Tyson Walker. Um, is Joey Hauser sticking around? Yes. Yeah, I, again, I don't know that he, you know, you kind of want just kids to come back, you know, Bingham and Marble and, you know, Gabe Those guys Brown. are back as far as I'm aware. Yeah. You know, as long as all those guys come back and, and you if you can get Bates to, to reclassify, yeah, I think they're probably right up there with Michigan for sure. I'd put them probably even ahead of Purdue. So, yeah, uh, th- there'll be a huge uh, – and Bates gives them something that that they just haven't had. I mean, Imani Bates is the next – you know, I mean, you can compare him to Kevin Durant kind of or LeBron, you know. 
So, I've heard the I've heard the comparison to KD. So you're I, I think you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, and you know you look at um, kind of down the road. I mean, he'll be the number one pick or, or top three pick you know, next season. So yeah, I, I'm 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 pretty high on if he if they can get him. And it's kind of just waiting around now. Yeah, well, he'll make his decision. I hear uh, sometime over the summer. Um, and, and let everybody in on the thing. I think it's an age thing. Uh, that's what our guest last week, Rico Beard, he was saying that just because he's so young, I think he's still like 16. He's, turning... he's, he's 17 currently. He turned 17. 17? On, yeah, he's turned 17 on the 28th, January 28th. So, okay. you know, he has, you know, he is 17 and, you know, he is eligible to do it. Um, and look, if, if you ask me, like, what would I put the odds that he reclassifies? I would say it's quite high. I mean, I, I don't know what would be the negative to not do it, but yeah. Well, I, you know, I appreciate that. I, I know some fans are probably, probably crying in their weedings in uh, Piscataway, but uh, happy and, in East Lansing. And one other thing, remember, I, I think it's, you know, I always, whenever I, I consider what kids are going to do. I, I look at the uh, situation with the family, um, you know, cause you'll have kids that are really in tough situations that, you know, need to go and they need to make money. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, I don't know what, you know, the Bates family uh, finances are, but you know, I know his father is, is uh, you know, he's a prominent player overseas for years. He, he does some good things in the AAU circuit. His mother, uh, I believe work works for a high end company. So I, I think from that standpoint, you'd have to imagine um, he'll go to college and he's going to go to college. And if, if I were him, I would reclassify for sure. Oh, I love that. That's music to my ears. Um, I want to, I want to move on. We got, we got draft coming up Eagles draft. You put out another mock um, this time, you know, the, the previous mock I had seen, I asked you a question on clubhouse. Um, by the way, if you're if you're on Clubhouse, folks, follow Jeff Nadu. Look him up. Uh, your sit downs when when you and you know do them are phenomenal. There's some really good folks that come on and and chat it up. Uh, you, you had Micah Parsons, then uh, the 3.0 version or whatever it is. Uh, you, I believe you had Devonta Smith. Um, and you even backed it up with another wide out uh, in like the third, fourth round. Where do you, what is the ideal scenario now that we're getting a better idea and the, there's some trades that have happened? What's the ideal scenario for you? Where do you want to see your Eagles go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, ideal scenario, scenario, I would have stayed at six, but I mean, that that's obviously not going to happen. Uh, no, you probably, don't, you don't like the picks. You don't like the, I mean, the extra capital. I mean, normally yeah, that's, I mean, it's that's cool what... and all, but I, 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 they need the best player available in my opinion. And I, I thought, you know, Jamar chase, um, you know, could have been had Kyle Pitts could have been had, but you know, instead as usual, you know, they're going to settle for, you know, and I'm not saying that I don't want Waddle or Smith, but they're not Jamar chase. And, and I think that's kind of the issue I have with them occasionally, but yeah, I mean, the, the extra picks would be good. And, you know, they're not going to be they're not going to be great next year though I don't think they're as bad as people think they are uh, especially if Hertz plays well and obviously that's a big if but th this is a big draft okay and I feel like I say that every year with this team but 
this is a big draft, especially for Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman, you know, can I curse on this? Yeah, you can absolutely yeah. do it. Well, if, if, you're talking about the Eagles. It's kind of. Yeah, if Howie Roseman fucks this up, I, I think you have to. I, look, I would have fired him already, but, uh, you know, he, he really has no leg to stand on if, if he screws this up. Uh, because they have, I think, eight picks. They have a lot of picks. They have some really good picks as well. They have an early second round pick. And I really hope kind of they they stick where they are. Um, though I wouldn't, I've heard kind of grumblings of a trade maybe with the 37th pick and Zach Ertz to move up a little bit. I would I would love that if they could somehow find a way back into the, the first round. I, I would love that uh, to get two first round picks. But, uh, you know, what I think will ultimately happen, and I don't really think they can screw it up, frankly. I, I'll tell you what I don't want to see, though. And I don't think they're going to do it. I don't want to see an offensive lineman. I think this team is, frankly, if you make, you can make the case that offensive line, they're probably most helped. Like they have everyone, you know, Brooks back next year, Lane Johnson's back next year. Siamalu be, has become a really good left guard. Whether it's Dillard or Milata, they have a left tackle. Um, they've got some good depth. I would have to imagine down the road they'll take a look at center because I don't think Jason Kelsey is going to be around too long. But, you know, I, I don't want to see an offensive lineman. And I do think they need a pass rusher, but I don't think you need a pass rusher this early. Maybe the third or fourth round. I think for them it's either going to be corner or receiver. Parsons, sadly, I don't think will be there. Uh, if he were there, I would, I would probably take him uh, number one. But I don't think he's going to be there. Um, second, I would go towards Smith or Waddle, and then I would look towards a Jace Horn or um, Sertain, and they could really go one of those three different ways. Uh, if if it's not one of those six people, um, I don't I don't know what I'll say because I've I mean last year I had a reaction it got probably six I think six million views on <laughs> Facebook and Twitter. I remember it. Oh God, I, you know I don't know if. I don't know if I'll be able to top that this year, but <laughs> look, I won't be happy. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I never know. Um, I do know though, that the second round picks important as well, because whatever you do in the first round, so let's say you take a corner. So let's say you get horn or certain, which you know, would lock down both corners because you already have Darius Slay and you do need corner help though. I think there are some really good corners late in this draft in the third round you can grab, but if you take a corner or or whatever in the first round, you've got to get a receiver in the second round. And that's where a guy like Terrence Marshall fits. Uh, that's where Kadarius Tony fits uh, a Rondell Moore. Um, you know, they need to start knocking out positions and, and, and filling them because if you fail again in the draft, I don't really know where you go from here. Well, it, and here's a question I have, uh, cause I, I had to deal with it as a Lions fan. Last year, we took uh, Jeffrey Okuda, who yeah, I think there's still – I mean, he was electric at Ohio State. I think it was a case of scheme. I'm hoping it's a case of scheme. But my big problem with taking him three is you can't take a cornerback. I mean, unless you're talking Jalen Ramsey, best of a decade, you, you just can't take a corner that high. Are you – at all concerned or picky as far as okay we're we're at this point in the draft we can't be going out and getting 
a guard. We can't go out and get a safety. We can't go out and, and get a tight end. It, it, do you kind of follow that mold as far as like where you're picking versus position or are you best available guy? Uh, look, in this specific draft with this team, they have to take a corner or receiver or Parsons. It's that simple. There's no okay. other player. It's that and that's it. You cannot, I listen, I don't want to see, you know, um, them taking, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker or, or, or Quiddy Pie. Like, I don't want to, like, they're good players, but I don't, they don't, they need help on positions that are going to affect the outcome of a game. Listen, say all you want about a defensive end or a defensive tackle, but you know this and I know this. They cannot single-handedly win you a game. Okay, at the end of a game, if you're down six, the defensive end isn't going to do nothing for you. Okay, this team is at that point. They have to get playmakers, and they have. And I've written about this extensively. They have failed miserably at receiver, and I'm not even saying they they've kind of failed. They've failed badly. Like in my my entire 31 years of living. Outside of like the Sean Jackson, I can't single-handedly remember one player they've hit on from a receiver standpoint. It's really laughable. Uh, corners another problem. They have not had a corner here outside of the Sheldon Brown, Lido Shepard days back in the mid two thousands. Outside of Asante Samuel to 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 talk about, they have failed at that position as well. So, you know, Slay seems like you know one side that's going to fit real well on the left side. But you need a help. You need a right corner. You need a nickel. You got to get another safety. And all that can be addressed. Okay, They have enough picks. And if I were making the picks, they'd make the right ones. But I'm not making the picks. Um, I think they got to go out and get a backup running back. They don't necessarily have that. Um, they need another quarterback. Um, you know, they need they do need a center. Okay, They do need a pass rusher. Uh, they have a lot. They need a kicker. Okay, there's a lot of things they need. So, you know, we'll see where it goes, but um, they can't really screw this up. I, at least I don't think they can, but they seem to always find a way. If we see a Trey Lance, a Mac Jones, even a Justin Fields, although it's probably unlikely, if we see one of those quarterbacks drop and be available at 12 uh, and I believe you guys are picking at 12. Are, are, are you, are you tempted at, at, or is this just not the time, not the year? Yeah. I, I it's not, and it's not that I don't like them. I, I like Trey Lance. I think he has, um, he's kind of, a he's kind of a, an ode to, I think if you have some opportunity to wait and Eagles do, um, I, they're not going to use Trey Lance next year. And I think this city would, go nuts if they take a kid from North Dakota State I just I don't think they're going to do that um you know I, I am enamored but I would look later I, I think they can get a pretty like Sam Ealinger is a guy that I I've looked at yeah late. you keep yeah you consistently have him on, on your mocks yeah because I I think he fits like kind of the way they are and he, he kind of is that gunslinger kind of you know Johnny Manziel type you know I, I think he's better than Johnny but um you know I, I think I think he's interesting late and, and I don't think you have to, you, know, you don't have to waste a pick early on him. Um, 
do I think this – no, I, I don't think this class is good enough to do that with. They're not going to do that. Um, and I think next year would be that – like if, if, if Jalen Hurts is terrible this season, um, you know, they are going to win anyway. So, yeah, I, I think they'll target doing that next year. All right. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, you put out a video today that was uh... – it was interesting. Uh, for those that aren't aware, Super League, the Super League is coming to uh, soccer. Um, pretty much the biggest teams outside of Bayern Munich, PSG, and uh, Dortmund pretty much joining forces, kind of like uh, in the mid-90s, Michigan and Texas tried to do something where they had the biggest schools separate from the NCAA kind of a similar situation here following, uh, you know, uh, American model of the best of the best in a pseudo separate league from um, FIFA and UEFA. You, you put it eloquently. It's all about the Schadol. Uh Elaborate on this. Cause I know, I know a lot of people, I listen to troops uh, this morning on PMT. I've, I've seen a lot of videos. People are just, they hate this. But you, you have a slightly different opinion. Yeah, well, it's not that I have a different opinion. I just know, the, like, the real aspect of, like, how these teams work. Like, they don't care about you. They don't care about, I mean, and you look at really any method of, of, of control, like, they don't ever care about you. Like, for anyone who thinks, like, the government cares about you or, like, Donald Trump cares what you're like. They don't care about you. Joe Biden doesn't care about you. Like I know a firsthand brother. You don't got to tell me. Yeah, that. Like they don't care about you. I, I think that's been evident in, you know, this country for, for you. I mean, this country is a horror show when it comes to like everything. And, and it's the government doesn't. And, and that's the same thing with, with soccer or sports or whatever. The, the UEFA are, are no different than, than the NBA or the NFL. And we had to like get away from this whole, like, well, these are old school clubs and they were built on the backs of farmers and townspeople. And, and look, I do, you know, living in, if, if you live in England, I, I think this would obviously be a sad day for you because, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, like, I don't know why people like troops are upset about that. Like, I don't know why, like what, what would be the negative aspect of this? Like, I don't like, I, I'm, not, I'm still not understanding it. So you're being included with the best teams in the world and you don't have to play teams like, and, and I think for me, like that would be kind of my thing. Like I, I think a lot of these leagues suck to be really honest. Like the Spanish leagues suck. The like those leagues suck. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't mind seeing, I love the champions league. It's the best football. It's the best, you know, theater always. I, I don't really I guess it's just the old school nature. Now, if I'm a club that, you know, like Burnley or something like that, I would, I would probably be upset about it. But, um, I, you know, at the end of the day, it's about money and the same people that are whining about and moaning about money. And, you know, we don't like to use owners controlling our teams the way they do. It's not about money to us. What well, is about money? Because you're know, getting a guy, you know, getting guys like uh, whoever, whether it's Lacazette or, 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 or whoever you got to pay for those guys. Okay. They cost a ton of money. How do you think the money is given? What do you, you think the reason that those, those owners are bought to the club was because they were good looking or, or whatever? No, they had money. They have enough. 
and they dictate what happens. Um, yeah, sports is a business. It all, it's all it ever is. Um, and to think, I think subliminally that they care about you is wild. You know, I think ultimately though, the funny thing is Al is that they know deep down. I look at owners of sports teams like drug dealers, right? Where yeah. you, you'll, you'll hear from an addict like every day, I'm going to get clean, going to get clean. I'm not going to do heroin again. I'm going to get free agents this year. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. And they don't. And the stadium's still full. Like drug dealers and, and sports centers are the same. And the fiends and fans are the same because as much as they say, they're not going to watch. They're always there. And the owners know that the only thing that would actually make change is you actually behaving as a fan base as to where you don't participate in anything. You don't watch it on TV and you would have to get every fan to do that. And they're not going to do that. So at the end of the day, the owners uh, can do what they want. So I, I, you brought up a question of, of what's the negative. And I think the negative out of this is, so they're, they're, they have 15 core members. They're looking to add five more to get 20. At that point, you have essentially, uh, you know, fixtures. You can play weekly fixtures. Um, and the way they're pitting against UEFA and FIFA, was since you're outside of FIFA and you're outside of UEFA, that now you're, you're not going to be in La Liga. You're not going to be in the premiership. Um, you're not going to be, well, who knows what the Italians do. I mean, you, you have a better uh, grasp on that. I've never gotten Italian soccer. It's kind of like make it up as you go, but um, that, I think that's the worry. And so, uh, you know, let's just sure playing um, man United we're not going to see that anymore. And I think that's the thing people don't want to see, um, you know, Michigan not playing, uh, I don't know, Purdue, you know, it's kind of a similar thing in the big 10 uh, smaller potatoes. But I, 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 from what I glean from troops and the rest of the folks, that's kind of where it's headed. And it's also just like, it's pure greed and, Okay, but again, like, if you're in that group of 20, why is it bad for you? Oh, it's not. I mean, business-wise, I mean, J.P. Morgan's underwrote the entire thing for $6 billion. You know know as well as anybody that these soccer contracts, I mean, hell, World Cup is what? You got to pay like $750, a billion to to broadcast the World Cup? Mm-hmm. And that's just no, here. That's not including Africa. That's not including Asia, that, you know, et cetera. No, it's, it's big money. I mean, it's, and again, like that's the thing about football or soccer, like whether supporters go like it, broadcasting is what's the money that that's the money that comes in. You, you kind of eloquently talked about that, but yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, the, the fans hate it, I guess, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, Arsenal care about Fulham and Burnley, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why their fans are, are pissed off about it. But, yeah, listen, my whole point was just that, you know, they don't care about you. 
They don't give a fuck what you think. Okay. It's not about whether you like it or not. They know that you're going to watch it and you're going to, um, you know, support it. And that's, I think where I think as a personal thing, like you have to decide, like, is this even worth it to you anymore? Cause I know for me, like personally, you know, I like sports. I enjoy sports. It's my business. It's what I do, but I don't love sports the way I used to love sports because I think a lot of it has been ruined, you know, baseball, for instance, and, you know, uh, you know, different sports. So, you know, and that's one of the reasons I've always enjoyed college because it's been widely untouched uh, for the most part. But um, yeah, I, I, I feel bad for, for some of the, the small clubs and we'll see how it goes. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I get a weird feeling they're going to cave and just, uh, you know, not do it. I, well, I, it, I think it's just going to the courts. Yeah. It, it's going to be some long court process. I have a feeling they're just going to be like, look, uh, this, this, you know, this took out way more problem than, than we thought it would. So we're just not going to do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, while, you know, it's funny because the only other parallel when this came out was that uh, aforementioned Texas, Michigan thing back in the mid nineties and, and the only reason they stayed with the NCAA is the NCAA started relaxing on scholarships and started relaxing on some of the, because the NCAA used to be much more hardline and we've seen that kind of broken down and it kind of started with that when these schools were, you know, trying to get a bigger piece of the pie. Um. Uh, you mentioned baseball just briefly. I want to touch on uh, the NL East, which has been the most fun uh, for me to watch outside Dodgers and uh, Padres series, which was electric. It was great playoff baseball atmosphere. Philly's hanging tough. I mean, it, it, nobody's really broken away in the Mets. Um, despite what Frank the Tank says, uh, you know, the Mets still playing well. Uh, Philly's right there, though. Braves had kind of slow start. Acuna on the DL. Miami's been competitive with uh, with Jazz, Jazz Chisholm. Um, Nats are still finding a way. Still seems like it's a division up for grabs where everybody's almost on par with each other. Yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, obviously very early. I mean, we've only... You know, pitchers have only really thrown three games so far and yeah yeah I, I think you know so far i think you kind of pointed out what's kind of going on uh you know the phillies i think will hit but their rotation's gonna i think have issues at times uh but if they can keep getting nola pitching the way he did the other night and and wheeler who knows um i still think they should have got another starter they're, they're four and five or as bad as it gets um you know the brave showing are- you're you called it uh last time we talked and i i mean you were a hundred percent on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just a glaring issue. Uh, the Braves I think are, uh, are young and, and, and they're getting there. They're starting to hit a little bit. The Mets I think are interesting. Uh, their fan base act like the world's falling constantly, but it's fun. <laughs> Frank is just, I love Frank, but geez, yeah, look, Frank's a nice guy, but he's a, terrible he's great. Fan. He's a horrible fan. I mean, <laughs> and, and not look, I get negative occasionally too, but like I often ask like, Frank, like what, what would make you happy? Like, I think Frank just thinks that like every game they're going to win 10, nothing, and they're going to do 162 and oh, and I get, you know, he, he cares about every pitch and there's a, he kind of watches sports the way I do where I kind of see everything and it, it just bothers me. But um, I'm starting to kind of realize that, you know, 
they they struggle occasionally. It is what it is. Uh, but yeah, I I, th- I, th- I really believe it's going to be fought out between the Mets and the Phillies. I have a feeling about that, and I think the Mets will find a way because they have better pitching. Yankees are abysmal, and uh, I was listening to um, the Boston pregame show uh, at work today. Um, I'm I'm a sycophant, uh, I, and I was listening to Lou Morneloni kind of talk about it, and it's and he brought up some great points of like, look, this starting pitching, Jameson Tyon is off two Tommy Johns. I mean, Domingo Herman off of Tommy John and you've got the this pitching that's really not there you've got hitters that are starting off the season slow it's a really bad recipe and there's some holes in that lineup we're starting to see guys aren't maturing um at least so far and granted it's early but guys aren't maturing the way we thought they would uh in their third fourth season Gary Sanchez Glaber um etc uh, do you feel like the Yankees are still going to be there or is this year like, Hey, maybe there's some too many issues with this pitching and, and defensively here uh, or the lineup. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, look, it's 15 games, but it's, it's not been a good 15 games. It's been a, been a tragic, uh, bad 15 games. Um, I mean, they're not hitting. I mean, they're hitting yeah, 230 yeah. As, as a team, I think. Uh, Aaron Hicks is, I mean, Aaron Hicks has been miserable. I mean, Aaron Hicks is hitting like, I, I don't, it's, it's just laughable. I don't, I don't, I think he's hitting like a hundred, like it's crazy. The one eight, one sixty is what he, I mean, that's laughable. I mean, um, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think it'll take some time. I, I think they'll be fine. You know, it's, it's only 15 games, but I think you made a good point. Some of their town isn't necessarily kind of, figuring itself out, whether it's uh, Glaber Torres or Gary Sanchez or, you know, with, with Stanton and, uh, and, and judge, it, it seems like it's all or nothing a lot of the time with those guys. Yeah. I mean, if you really look at their lineup, uh, DJ LeMay, who, who uh, shout out to uh, the Chippewas of central Michigan, he's doing his thing and he has, he's been really consistent. He's like, to me, he's like the, next Dustin Pedroia in the sense yeah, I of, think he, he's probably your only guiding light um you yeah. know you, you look at like last year I mean they were getting like timely hitting from like Mike Tauschman you know he he's non-existent you know uh you look at Judge I mean Judge I guess you say, you know 255 yeah he's you hitting know. for average at Stanton's 176 Hicks 180 Sanchez 237 you know Glaber 196. I mean, this is dreadful. As you said, the only player doing anything of ilk is DJ LeMahieu. Um, but yeah, you lose guys like, uh, um, you know, you look at like a Didi Gregorius. And look, a net negative. I, I mean, LeMahieu and Gregorius are both good players. But, um, you know, I think sometimes the, the Yankees have, have felt the need to overspend and, and, and give a ton of money to players. And, uh, you know, Stanton, when he's on, he's on. But, this isn't the stand I want, obviously. Uh, one question before I ask about Barstool as we're wrapping up here. Um, Kentucky Derby next week. Uh, this show is we're going to have, um, for you folks listening, we're going to have about 10 guests next week 
the best of the best, Andy Serling, Matt Bernier, uh, Paul Matisse, uh, handicappers galore next week talking about the Derby, but I got to ask the big man on campus. Are you hearing anything? Is there anything you like? Cause I know there's a lot of value. There's a lot of money to be made on Derby day. There's just, it's kind of silly how much uh, payouts are, and you know this very well, on Derby Day where you get everybody and their cousin betting for the first time. It's like uh, for guys that are kind of know how to read a form, it's kind of Christmas. Is there anything that you're looking at for the Derby next week? Uh, Well, I haven't dived into it much just yet. Uh, I'm actually going to be with uh, Blackjack Fletcher this week. He's actually good man. To, uh, my area, and we're going to have some. Uh, I think we're having dinner on Thursday, so I'm sure we'll That's talk awesome. about it then. But um, I don't know. I mean, I've heard some good things about this Obesos horse. I know he's not going to be the favorite or anything, but he could be a live underdog, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I have to take a look. I got to look at uh, kind of some different things, but obviously, Central Quality and Hot Rod Charlie and some of those horses up at the top, but I'll, uh, I'll let you know. I don't exactly have anyone just yet, but uh, we'll kind of get towards it later of the week, end of the week. Well, Blackjack's a, a, a smart man. He's a, he's a good horse handicapper. He's doing yeah, some yeah. good stuff, man. Uh, it, when it does come to Derby day though, like how do you approach it um, as a better? I, I'm always interested to see how, how smart guys that know, betting that know how to think about uh you know clv and creating efficiency in your bets how do you approach a day like that uh well i think a lot of time it's just about maybe focusing on the other races that lead up to the derby because i think a lot of people just don't realize that there are like what 13 or 14 races yeah i think i think there's 14 yeah Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of kind of aiming in on stuff that maybe others aren't, but as far as, um, you know, I think a lot of books will take, I I know some of the local books that I've bet on, like you can bet on the Derby right now and you can get like, I have a book that gives me um, the odds and whatever odds I get, I get, they don't change. It's like a future almost. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I I had a, we had a guy on, uh, he's a big horse racing Twitter guy, Swift Twitter. I think you interacted with him once, um, but he, uh, it was about the Georgia Tech thing. That's right. That's when you talked to him. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Georgia Tech thing. Uh, <laughs> no, but- actually, weirdly enough, I had a kid that reached out to me about that. Uh, I I don't know that dude, Swift Twitter. Like, I, I think I might have talked to him once or twice, uh, but yeah. I did have someone that reached out to me about it. And I guess he was someone that, that talked about or something. I don't know. Yeah. He had it. I think uh, it's and correct me if I'm wrong, Swifty, like a few hours before or day before could have been the same person. Who knows? Uh, Whatever it is. But this poor bastard, uh, he had 300, $400,000 live um, to concert tour. Uh, which is a that's real tough that's real tough all futures brutal that's pretty horrific um well i'm i'm excited if you can send me what when you get to next week maybe i can uh have you on for a few minutes and just 
talk through uh, what you like or, or a spot maybe. Um, sure. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts. Uh, I'll wrap it up with this. We, we saw you come back around. Um, you've, you've had success leaving Barstool. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that the people that found you on Barstool have stuck by you. I mean, democracy for life, right? Uh, you, you, there was some communication. I, am not going to, you know, say anything other than like your name was brought up again by Dave and big cad and, you know, it generated clicks and buzz again. Um, I'm not going to ask about that. Uh, I'll, I'll point it this way, I guess it is the door closed on Barstool. Is it something you're, you're, considering possibly coming back to um because certainly last time we talked it was you know i'm gonna go my own way i kind of need to get away from you know tomfoolery and nonsense and and do my thing uh have you kind of amended how you feel yeah i mean i i think to answer your question is the door closed no of course not i mean i i think you know dave and i have talked and uh you know yeah, I think when, when you make decisions, you know, and I want to make this clear, like my contract is over in March. So I, I think, you know, I kind of needed the time to, to just kind of, uh, you know, really figure out what I was going to do. And, you know, yeah, we've talked, I mean, we, we've, we've talked about, you know, maybe going back and, and look, I know that when Rico and I, and, and whatever, like we like that moves the needle, people like it and whatever. Um, and, and I obviously feel like, the main issue that I had wasn't necessarily the Rico stuff. It was just, I think when they say like, you have to be there, like I agree with that and I want to be there. And I, you know, I don't know if I'll be there every single day, but being up there weekly or, or bi-weekly, you know, multiple times a week is important. And, you know, with the coronavirus, like I started there when, you know, the gambling house got shut down and then, you know, we had the surge and stuff. So, there really wasn't a lot of availability to go up there. And then with the winter and just with it, it just never really figured itself out. But um, yeah, I, I think the door's open. Um, do I think I'll go back there? If they'll have me back, I'll go back. Um, you know, Dave kind of said it was, it was a 60, 40. Yes. And he mentioned football season. So uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I kind of know how they work there. Uh, you know, the, it'll, it'll be like August 1st and, and the pick them will start to be coming around again. And if you ask me like, what are the chances that I'm back there? Uh, it wouldn't be because I didn't want to go back. I'll go back. Uh, and, and I kind of want to kind of carve out the niche that I had. And, you know, I don't know that I'll ever work with him though. I've always been available to work with him. Um, it's not about whether uh, I need him or I don't need him. Wait, it's I think- not in your contract. <laughs> yeah right Listen, I, I just think you know he'll never tell you this but we need each other right i think yeah. everyone has kind of a, a niche at barstool and you know certain people make other certain people interesting and you know we kind of push each other's buttons and um you know i think he could be a real piece of shit and i'm sure he'll say the same thing about me though i don't know what he has to say negatively about me i've never tried to get him fired from a job or or prevent it from working somewhere. But uh, yeah, if I know Dave the way I think I do, um, you know, I, I kind of plan to to kind of finish the summer out on my own, do my own thing and and see where it goes. But if I do go back, 
I will be a lot more involved. Uh, the audience, everyone in the audience will know who I am. Um, I will move to have the only college basketball show there or the only gambling show. I have other ideas as well. We had something we were working on from a mob standpoint that we were going to do that we'll do. So, yeah. The, I, little, the little bit that you have in clubhouses or, or private chats that you've let out about that seems fascinating. Yeah, well, and it would be, and it is going to be, and we've we had it kind of set up, and you know things kind of shook out the way they did. But um, yeah, if you made me say like, what are the chances on there? I would say probably pretty good. I mean, we we've, I think it was clear that I didn't get a real, you know, as far as it was kind of a raw deal, and uh, I think, you know, the coronavirus didn't help because I'll be real with you, Al. Like if 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 we could freely travel. And I'd have been up there. I'd have been making waves and it had been different for me, but it was just a tough year. It, it didn't work out kind of how I kind of wanted it to, but um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. And um, you know, I'm sure I'll be back. Um, I, I just, one other question, just based on what you said there. Uh, I listened to uh, the Saugus rocket, uh, Jared Carabas talking with uh, Erica on token CEO, which is, a, a great pod go listen to it um and he was bringing up the fact that you know when he travels from boston to new york it's just new york's just i mean well I, i'm gonna be honest it's a drizzling shit i've been up there plenty yeah. of times yeah um philly boston uh, hell even north jersey give me that over yeah uh, new york city at times do you is it a situation where you just, okay, I'm going to get on the train at five, get into the city. I'm going to do work, come back a couple times a week. Is that something that really like is, is your plan or is actually moving to New York city, like actually in the cards? Well, I don't, I mean, I think where I am in my life, like I'll be 32 and I think Dave will tell you this. Like, I don't think it's necessary that I'm there every day. And, you know, he might tell you something different, but yeah, I think the plan for me was always to, um, you know, if I were set up as a full-time employee, like I would be up there frequently. And in, if I'm living in Philly, like I can be there in an hour. So it's something where I can be there three or four times a week. Um, but I think Barstool for someone like me, I don't need to be there every day just because, you know, like Jared kind of said eloquently, and I thought he was dead right on this. I kind of get way more done in my own place. Like yeah. I have an office in my house. Like I can watch games. I can. That's a good do point. Things. And, you know, I think for me, like a lot of the issue that I had was there really was no reason for me to be there just because like, I wasn't allowed to be on pick central. Um, I, you know, there wasn't things that I could do. So it was just like, I was just going up there to go up there and, you know, I would kind of almost be ostracized a little bit because he would be there and I don't know. Um, but yeah, would I live in New York City? No. Uh, would I move close to New York? Yeah, if I if, if I was asked to, I would, you know, and I had a full time job for sure. Um, I'll be real with you. Like my goal, if, if I go back to Barstool, like one of my goals would be I would love to move to Miami if I could. Um, that, that would be uh that would be something I would have interest in. I, they've talked about maybe who knows, maybe some sort of kind of satellite office. Um, I think for me, like I would work well there just because, you know, Dave is a gambler. I'm a gambler. I think we could work well in that standpoint. And I don't party or anything. I don't drink. So I think, um, 
I think I could work well there. But yeah, to answer your question, I would go anywhere that they asked me. If they said, hey, we need you to go to Indiana and live because, uh, you know, we're going to have a book out there and we want you to work out of the sports book. I don't know. You know, I would do whatever. Uh, if it meant that, that I would have something full time and, and it would be kind of a home for sure. You know, I, I'll tell you what, I think it's funny you going back up there. It's almost like, um, it's almost like, uh, like wrestling, right. Where, you know, you get a good guy, bad guy based on, you know, who you like. And I really think when you, when, uh, Jeff Nadeau is in Barstool, it's just better ratings because you have a crazy person and and you have you who is very i mean you you don't shy away from a punch um right it's just fantastic it's entertaining the only difference is is you're giving out knowledge and i think that's that's the part that we all fell in love with so i hope if if it does come to fruition um you know We'll, we'll, you'll have the followers right back and, and we'll be, uh, we'll be waving the democracy and, and, and maybe it'll be like Warriors 2.0. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, in, in final kind of just pointing this out, you know, you look at any situation at Barstow over the last, I don't know, two years uh, where he was really going and they were really creating good content on the pick them. Um, they all derive from me. Um, so whether it was the, the, this, the hype circle, uh, that was involving yeah. me, um, the men of honor <laughs> thing that was, because yeah. of me. um, you know, we go back to the, the to the burger show where Glennie balls played my, uh, my live stream, you know, oh, like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like that was all, that was me, you know, the, you know, all that stuff derived from me. I remember I called in one time and he left the company. Oh and yeah. Jeez. They let me on the air. Like, like, and, and Dave said it funny, like I, I push him the way a lot of people don't, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's something in that. And, and look, being there, if that's my reason for being there, so be it. But, you know, I know I'm going to go there and, and carve out my own niche, like I did with, with the show that I had. So, um, you know, I'm not real worried about that. Uh, and, and I think I always have a spot there. So when he says stuff like, oh, he's junior varsity, well, I'm not because, you know, without me, you're not a quarter of as interesting as you are with me. Well, you know, it's funny. I'll leave it at this. I, I like him. He's, he's entertaining. He's, he's fun to watch. I like you more because I, because I learned something and I find you entertaining. Um, So hopefully, you know, that doesn't kill me and get, I I get uh, like 50 messages out of this, but I think that I think the audience needs to just remember, like, as I said, I was not there every day. So there's a lot you don't know about me. Um, and I think, you know, Barstool's audience have changed their feelings a lot on people. Cause like, I remember when like Frank first got hired, like a lot of people didn't like Frank. Oh, they thought, they thought, I know Dave said it was going to be a disaster. He was just doing it because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Exactly. And, and Frank's turned into kind of like a favorite, you know, Glenny balls, like a lot of people didn't like him he turned into be, you know, a respected guy. You know, there's a lot of guys there that I think people kind of change their tune on, you know, whether it's, you know, whoever. So, um, and there's people that are just villains and and that's it. And look, I don't, I don't really care whether I'm a villain or, or a hero. You know, I just want people to consume what I'm doing. And I think I'm involved in things that are beneficial to the company. And I always say that. And that's one thing I've working for me at a place like Barstool. 
I am involved in gambling pretty hardcore and the future of that company is gambling. And, you know, I have other avenues, but I think the avenue that I have is gambling and the Rico stuff. And, you know, we all have our, our reasons for, for being places. And that's mine. I'm the one person in America that uh, can, can push buttons. So. Well, I'll tell you this, Jeff. Uh, it's it's always a pleasure talking with you. I'm hopeful next week, if you get a few minutes, uh, once you digest the PPs and the and the positions, we can have you on and and uh, you can uh, give us a little insight to how you're looking at um, Derby Day in general. Uh, you've also got, we mentioned the sit-down at the sit down seven on Twitter available, wherever your podcasts are, as you're listening to this today, the sit down is dropping. It's Wednesday. Um, what do you got lined up for that? And do you have any other shows on the horizon? Yeah, we're, uh, we're talking about the mafia cops, uh, Louis Apolito and Stephen Caracapa, two of the most corrupt police officers in the history of this country. They basically, um, should have both been precluded from being police officers due to their past, but due to the shortage of officers in New York City in the 70s, they were hired. Uh, they ended up becoming um, basically contract killers for the mob. Uh, and uh, it's kind of their tale of just the deceit and how they were caught and uh, really kind of the black eye put on, you know, major department, uh, you know, stuff. I mean, it was really pathetic. Uh, as far as what I have that I'm working on, you know, we're doing obviously this show. It, it's on every Wednesday. Make sure you check it out. Um, I'm actually going to be doing a show on PicksWise again. We did the show for college basketball. We're going to do something uh, through the NBA season. We're going to have on a different uh, kind of expert or someone in the business every every day. We're going to talk to Ski Profit, all sorts of different people that uh, are NBA people. And just kind of break the card down each day, real kind of low uh, – you know, nothing crazy. It'll be at noon every day. Just a, an easy show to listen to, get some info and, and move on with your day. And I, I'll tell you what, man, I, I can't thank you enough as always for your time, for your energy. You always Thanks, bring man. it. Um, uh, the big man on campus at Jeff Nadeau on Twitter. Jeff, thank you. Right after this short break, we're going to have Sean Belusian from Woodward Sports talk a little hockey talk a little Lions draft, uh, and a, a little bit more. We'll be back right after this. What's going on? It's Matt Bernier from the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. Be sure to join us every Monday, occasionally Tuesdays, but for the most part, every Monday, however you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's YouTube, you name it, you can find it a million different places, including in the moneypodcast.com. It's the Matt Bernier Show. Anything and everything to do with the world of horse racing. All right, we're back. And uh, this guy's been, you know, a great friend to me in the show. He's a fantastic sports guy. You can catch him every single day on Woodward Sports via podcast, via YouTube. Watch the YouTube, give it a like, give him some love. He is Sean Belizean. Shawnee B, it is, uh, it's always good to see your beautiful dapper face. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to chat with you, Al. It's, uh, it, it's been a while, but uh, Lord knows there's a lot of stuff going on in, in the sports world right now, so it's great to catch up. 
Hey, man, uh, you're doing the dang thing. I, I feel like you have 24 shows on Woodward Sports. You got a grilling show. You got the draft show with Scott Bischoff. Um, by the way, I have to ask you, is he? I saw him make a joke one time to, to DMAC. Mm-hmm. Is his brother actually Eric Bischoff, the the wrestling guy? It's his cousin. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, it's his. Yeah, it's his. It's his cousin. A uh, uh, great guy. Um, you know, Scott and I have been doing things for years. We were doing a fantasy football show for years. You might remember in yeah. the Detroit area, and then we were both uh, part of the Detroit Lions uh, radio network. And he he did some stuff when I was at Fox Two Television as well. Um, so yeah, we, we've been able to continue to do some stuff and, you know, I tell you this all the time, Al, I'm, I'm so blessed to, I get to do things that I like to do. You're doing, you're doing exactly what your show was. And it's funny for the people that are in Detroit that remember what your show was always about was, Hey, we're going to talk, you know, whatever. Um, I'm going to get my hockey in, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to talk some football. Even if it's, uh, you know, May 3rd and it's snowing out, I'm going to get my, you, you know, you're going to get your proverbial shit in and you're going to talk about meat and whatever. And now you have shows dedicated solely to this stuff. And then you're doing some great stuff covering uh, MHAS, or I forget the, the MHSA. Athletics. Yeah, I forget, <laughs> you know, a couple concussions against Anchor Bay and, you know, um. Hey, I wanted to start with it's draft season. It's it's Lions Christmas. This is our Super Bowl. I hate to say it, uh, and I heard Valeni say it today, and I've heard you say it uh, on Woodward Sports. Man, the Lions, I, I'm scared, man. I, they're doing smart stuff. Like, they're doing good things. You hear them shopping the pick. They're not sitting there this year going, yeah, don't worry. We're not taking a quarterback. Don't worry about it. They're, they're not sitting there. Um, it seems like everything's in play for a trade. It, it seems like things are in play to po- possibly uh, get Sewell, possibly get, you know, a Jamar Chase, uh, possibly get uh, Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle, whatever you, you subscribe to. Man, it, it seems like there's a lot of options on the table. I'll ask you this. What's your, what's your choice in the matter? And, and what do you think the, the likelihood is? Um, I, I, I really do think it's going to come down to Chase or Rashawn Slater. And, and, you know, I made the comment earlier and famous last words, the Lions would have to make an effort to screw this up. I mean, seriously, they are in, they are in a great spot right now. And a lot of it comes back to that, which you talked about. We don't know what's going through Brad Holmes' head. And I don't find myself agreeing with Peter Schrager all that often, but Peter Schrager like pointed at seven and pointed at the lions and where they're at. And, and he made the point to say, Hey, if there was a candidate to, to fall out, you know, even a couple of times, it might be the lions. And I agree with that. I, I really do. Uh, that possibility exists. What we don't know. Okay, is is how much do they like Trey Lance? We don't know that. And I'm a firm believer, Al. I know people say, well, we don't need a quarterback for a couple of years. Uh, I say bullshit to that. I I really if you love a guy, if you love a guy and you scouted a guy and he's looking at you, draft him. I'm happy you said this because people are like, okay, well, you can wait. 
I hate to tell folks this, but next year, uh, depending on what you think, it's really going to be like Sam Howell. And, you know, uh, if you watch that Boston College game this season, um, scary, scary how how crazy that was. Like he, it was looking like he, would, he needed a Facebook invite to make a pass. <laughs> very Kyle Trask, very Mac Jones-ish at times. Um, certainly he's going to be up there at the, the number one, number two quarterback spot. Then who is it? I mean, is it, is it Slavis, the kid from USC? Uh, I Spencer Rattler, I don't think is eligible to come out. Uh, I you, think he'll, he'll be a sophomore. Correct. You so know, it's he, interesting. Guys always seem to present themselves. I, I mean, a year ago at this time, people thought that Zach Wilson might be a cute pick later on and things like that. So guys sure. always present themselves, but you know, honestly, keeping with keeping with the the um, the theme, if, if you love the guy and, and you trust Brad Holmes and his staff, draft him. Yeah, because look, here's the dirty little secret. We all know it, okay? Um, the, the Lions, for the first time in my life, are actually sitting back right now and saying, "We stink. We're going to rebuild. This is a re a real rebuild. Not we're a draft away. We're a free agent class away." Not as Bob Quinn infamously, if infamously told me a couple of years ago, we're this close. No, 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 no. That that's what they're saying right now. So this is going to be a process of 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 of, you know, using the picks at their disposal. Uh, you know, maybe even creating an opportunity to get more picks uh, this year. I mean, Al, on a personal level, I think the only thing that would leave me very ticked off is if they drafted Micah Parsons at seven overall, that would, that would tick me off because just one man's opinion. Um, I think he's, he's Jared Davis 2.0. I, I really do. And I listen, I love Jared Davis personally. The guy put in so much work. He turned himself into a physical specimen, but at the end of the day, he was a guy that couldn't cover. He was a two down backer and, and Micah Parsons looks that part to me. Do you want to use the seventh overall pick? for a guy that's going to give you two downs and, and you can't count on in, in coverage. I, I just don't think the value's there to do something like that. So really that's the only way that, that just me personally, since you asked, I think I'd be ticked off. I wouldn't complain if they took chase. I wouldn't complain if they took Rashawn Slater. Okay. Uh, I, well, well, hold, you know, I love me some Pat Fitzgerald. I yet mm-hmm. I have a picture of him over my bed. I sometimes pray to it because he is masterful at what he's done. Rashawn Slater, as much as I like him, and he's a guy that's very versatile. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He, he's got the right size. He can do a lot of good things. But Panay Sewell, I mean, we've been hearing his name for years now. Yep. And he is, I mean, when you start talking about, okay, he he's Tony Baselli. He's he's Anthony Munoz. He's, he's that kind of tackle from the pack. 10, 12, whatever you want to call it, that you see only once in a while. What is it about is – is it the idea that he's gone and he's not even in the 100%. picture? 100%. One, okay. For me, I, I – I, you know, the comment we've been using when we do our draft, when we do our draft show is if, if Sewell is there, uh, run, don't walk to the podium. I don't expect him to be there. I, I, I think Cincinnati is just perfect for him. I, I mean, just again, one man's opinion. 
I, I don't, ex- I don't expect Sewell to be there. He, he is the best at that position. I don't expect him to be there. If he's, if he's there again, let me repeat the same line. Don't walk, run to the podium to scream his name. But I, in my opinion, I, I think that the two likely candidates are Jamar Chase and Rashawn Slater. And, and I'm not going to complain about either one of them. Is it possible that somebody moves up to seven? You know, does, does Dallas come knocking? Does New England come knocking? Absolutely. It's very possible. So there, there are really a myriad of things that, that the lions could do at seven. And, and for the most part, they're all good. I made the joke. I'm going to say it again. Famous last words. The lions would have to make an effort to screw up. They really would. They'd have to say, Hmm. How can we screw this up? Because they, they really seem to be in a good position right now at seven. All right. Next up, Sean's going to deep dive Hunter Long, tight end from Boston College. <laughs> uh, it, it's so, yeah, I, in the buildup to seven, though, I think it's really interesting. I, I, what was your take on the San Francisco trade? Um, it, and it really sounds like maybe it's not Mac Jones. Maybe, maybe it's Trey Lance. Maybe. You hear you hear whispers. Maybe it's not even Justin Fields. What? How do you see the draft picks kind of playing out up until seven? It's a subtle reminder, and I have this conversation with people every single year. And I had this conversation again uh, with a very close friend of mine, actually, uh, about a month ago. It's a subtle reminder of the value that is put on quarterbacks, period. End of story. These guys are going to go early. Somebody's going to fall in love with the guy. Look, we didn't, we weren't hearing about Mac Jones name a month ago. We weren't. I mean, he was a guy, Al, you know, you're the, you know, that's your neck of the woods. He was a guy you were hearing about later. Ah, you know, somebody takes him and if you protect to him, 20. yeah, you protect him like Drew Brees, you know, you, you might have something there and everything. And, here we are, you know, his name's hot and heavy in there. And um, the quarterbacks are going to go early. You know, are all of them going to go early? No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I think when all is said and done, I, I, I do think that Trey Lance will be in the picture for the Lions. We'll wait and see, you know, obviously how that plays out. But San Francisco is the intriguing one because, you know, a little bit like the Lions, well, everybody's assuming that it's Mac Jones. Well, what if it isn't? What if it is Trey Lance? What if it is Fields? What if they, you know, fell in love with something or somebody? And, and this is where you have to really trust your scouting staff. You really do. You know, if, 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 if you go and you look at this kid and you do the interviews and everything, and you fall in love with the kid, you take him. I mean, that, that's the way that it is. I mean, this, this idea that you have to throw a quarterback to the wolves. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I it, it's just a stupid idea. I mean, I think we all know the story of Aaron Rodgers. We all know the story of Patrick Mahomes. If you think you got yourself a stud, take him. And even if he sits for a year or two or whatever the case may be, you know, you've got that guy. You've got the next 10 to 12, maybe even more years of your franchise sitting on your bench. So what? You know, I mean, that, that's the way that I look at it, especially when you're in a position, you know, like the Detroit Lions are where uh, and the needs are aplenty. Uh, I'm convinced that they're going to need a quarterback sooner rather than later. I don't think that Jared Goff is going to rediscover himself and everything's going to be just like it was a couple of years ago with the Rams. I don't believe that for a second. Um, but at the end of the day, you know what? you got a nice bridge to the next era for, for the Detroit Lions. 
you in the in the shows that you've done with Scott, and they've been really good. They're all on YouTube. If you go and check out uh, Woodward Sports, is there a guy or a couple names that that have come up that you're really interested in uh, further on down the line, second, third round type guys? Are there guys that you're identifying going? Man, he would look good in in Honolulu blue and silver, or just any team's colors, because this guy might be a little undervalued. You know, it's it's funny. I I always make the joke. I'm a I'm a mockaholic. Um, you know, I'm one of these guys. I I read mock drafts all the time. I can't tell you how many of of the mock drafts that I've done. And and one thing that I firmly believe, Al, is there are incredibly talented wide receivers. We see it every year in the second and third and fourth and beyond, you know, and I think the same thing can be said for linebacker. And I use the term value a lot and I'll go back to Micah Parsons. I think Micah Parsons is a fine player. I, I, I do. I mean, and there's a reason why he's, he's, you know, ranked so high in so many of these things. Now, do I think he's going to go seven? No, he may not even go top 10, but there's a reason why, you know, his name is generally heard in the first round. But to me, I, that's not value. I, it, it, it's just not value. You know, there, there are, are a, a slew of, of linebackers that you can get in the second or third round that can provide that type of stuff. And, and it's about interchangeable pieces right now. And the same thing can be said with the wide receiver position. Now, what makes a difference is, you know, can you get a guy in the second or third round that can become, you know, that guy, the man? Well, of course, the answer to that is yes. But you feel a lot better about yourself if you go grab that, say, for example, Jamar Chase. And that's why, like, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not adverse to the Lions taking Chase. I, I mean, really, I, I'm, not, I'm not adverse to that at all. You know what you're getting. You're getting the guy who is, you know, arguably the best wide receiver in, in the draft. But again, this goes back to your original point. There are, there are a ton of guys in the second and third and fourth round that, that, you know, could be comparable and dare I say, even exceed. And, and that's, you know, that's the beauty of, of depth and, and making those quote unquote value picks. Yeah. I, I'm so torn on the whole wide receiver issue because I mean, you look at the lions, I would not draft a wide receiver in the top 10. I, you know, I get it. You, Calvin Johnson's come along and, and Julio's and, and what have you, but I, Look, I, I'm building my line or I'm trying to get a quarterback if I'm in the top 10. That, that's where you're going to, you know, put the butter on the bread. Wide receiver is a, to a certain extent, a luxury pick because of what you said exactly. I mean, look at what the Steelers model was. Hines Ward, not, what, a six-round pick, seven-round pick? Antonio Brown, third, fourth-round pick, whatever, whatever it was, Chase Claypool. Um you can go on and on with what they've done and you're exactly right I, i'm gonna add point it around kind of color it a different way mm -hmm. is that spot so tricky because you might not get your first second third pick at quarterback right and then you might be doing that thing that we all kill people for like you're, you're picking a quarterback to pick a quarterback. You're not absolutely in love with the guy. And yeah. you're picking a position of less value. So at this point, with all the holes to fill, isn't the, isn't the move to trade out 
overtaking a guy like that? I mean, how do you feel, you know, about that scenario? Because, I mean, in half these mocks that you see, I mean, the Lions are trading out. Well, and, and that was the beauty of it. I mean, that, that was, again, I, I, I need to bring up Peter Schrager because, um, you know, I, no offense to you or anybody else that might be a, a, a Peter Schrager fan. I'm, I'm not a Peter Schrager fan, but I thought he brought up some great points on, on you know, the, the, the good morning football show and his mock draft. Because he had the Lions trading out with the Cardinals. Um, and he had the Lions moving down to what would that be? 16, if I'm not mistaken. And, it, you know, getting that first round pick this year, getting another first round pick next year and a third to go along with it. Okay. For a rebuilding club. Okay. And I look at it, it coincidentally, I look at the Arizona Cardinals as a team that, that maybe the lions should model their rebuild, uh, you know, over because Hey, a couple of years ago, people thought the Cardinals were going to suck for a long, long time, but they made some shrewd deals. They took advantage of Bill O'Brien. It'd be great if the lions could take advantage of a Bill O'Brien. Um, you know, they got themselves a bunch of picks and they made those picks count. And, and, you know, they were knocking on the playoff door, last year and let's see if they can take a big step up this year so would i would i be adverse to something like that well well heavens no i mean have heavens no no way no how so you know that's the that's the interesting thing uh, about you know that position that that the lions find themselves in and then you know maybe they they put themselves in a, in a position where okay well you know uh marshall from lsu let you know we we like him in the second round or um, he, he's a hell of a talent, uh, Tony from Florida, you know, just to mention a yeah. couple of, of sec guys for you, or, or even that, you know, that, that, that tweener from, uh, North Carolina, um, oh gosh, uh, dynamic Brown, Ch- Chaz Surratt, Chaz Surratt, oh, linebacker, um, Chaz yeah, Surratt, li- yeah, linebacker, you know, edge guy and things like that. And that's, that's when you start talking about your, your value at 16, you get yourself a good player. But you know, you make that second, you make that second round pick count and everything with some of the players that we talked about. So, um, you know, again, hey, listen, so far the early returns are good. Well, here's the important part, and I, I keep saying this to Joyke Bell. Well, we all like the Jared Goff deal, right? We all do. I, I mean, I don't think there's a Lion fan that that you know is weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth about that. But what do we think about the Jared Goff deal if you don't make those picks count? You have to make those picks count. Now comes the dirty part. We can talk until we're Honolulu blue in the face about what a great move it was. Okay. It's a great move when you make the picks count, you know, that that's where we're at right now. Make no mistake about it. Well, I'm, I'm excited. That's Christmas. That's next week already. Jeez. Um, You're going to have a busy week. I'm going to be dead next week. We got Kentucky Derby. We got draft. (laughs) I, uh, my poor wife. I told her uh, I I owe her something expensive. Um, hey, hockey, hockey. Uh, big trade gets pulled off in this area, and everybody in Northern Virginia goes, "Who is this Anthony Mantha?" <laughs> and I'm fist pumping the air because uh, I thought this is and the memes were great. You just got Iserman and. Uh, <laughs> part of the Iser plan. I mean, it, it's very rare in hockey. You see a deal that just is perfect. Mantha slots in. He's a guy that needed to be on talented lines. Uh, you know, probably that third line, not a first or second line guy. 
getting getting uh, the puck and he can make you pay. And likewise, the Red Wings build up the you know the the draft stock. the The pool is filling up with water, and and Eichmann's got some some shots to shoot here. What's your take on the trade, and and how do you how do you see it positioning the Caps and the Wings going forward? I think it, it it's one of those rare trades, like you said. I, I I think it it worked out for both teams. I like the Red Wings side of it much better. Anthony Mantha was a guy, and I think you and I talked about it before. I number one, I felt he was a change of scenery guy. I did. I I just did. I didn't think it was going to happen here. Uh, after watching him the last couple of years, part of the reason I didn't think it was going to happen here is why he might have some success in Washington. Uh, when you're playing with a guy like Backstrom, he is a facilitator. Anthony Mantha needs a facilitator. He isn't going to create for himself. Wait, he, he had there. He had uh, Larkin. Yeah, I don't think that Dylan Larkin is is. Uh, uh, I'm going to say this again, you know, and I, I don't know if you and I have ever had this conversation. No, we have. Before. We're, we're, okay. we're singing from the same. Yeah, sheet I, of music, he's a good brother. player. It, you know, that's it. He's not he's not a superstar. He's a good player. People don't get mad at me for saying that anymore. And it's OK. Like I, I say it all the time. I, you want him. You want him. But I, I think a guy like Nicholas Backstrom is a facilitator. He's a guy that can, you know, get the puck to somebody. You know, that's what he's looking to do. Anthony Mantha, you know, needed needed a thing like that. Uh, Verona's a heck of a player. Um, Steve Eiserman obviously has familiarity with uh, Panic. You know, he, he was part of, of Tampa's system for a long time. And, you know, the, the key to it is the picks, you know, and, and even if those picks are later, you can turn those you know, picks into something else. You can, you know, do a, a ton of things with, with those picks. And, um, you, you know, it's interesting because around here, people are getting a little antsy and I, I just shake my head because he's been on the job for two years, two years ago yesterday. And I always remind people, pay attention when a general manager talks. He didn't come in here blowing smoke. He didn't come in here saying that he was going to turn it around in the blink of an eye. Do you remember what he said? He said, guys, there's some tough times coming up ahead. We don't want to just get back into the playoffs. We want to get this franchise back to the level that we were all accustomed to it to be at. You're not going to do that in two years when you have, you know, the, the lack of depth organizationally that they've had. So uh, how, how do you improve the, the organizational depth the picks? You know, I mean, really that that's, that's where it's at. And you, you, this is where your scouting staff counts and, you know, he's got some flexibility with a bunch of expiring contracts, as you well know. I think it's a great deal for Steve Eisman. I really do. Do you think Vrana comes back? Panic comes back next season? Uh, Vrana, yes. Panic, no. Just, again, just one man's guess. I, no, I don't think so. Who knows? You, you, yeah. you never know. You never know. But I, I, I don't, at, at this point in time in his career, um, no, nah, I don't think so. Uh, going forward a little bit more broadly, uh, I thought Toronto did some nice things. I mean, they're in it to win it now. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I know they weren't counting on maybe, maybe the master plan, maybe somebody was doing some NHL 21 simulations, but I, I don't think anybody saw Jack Campbell showing up the way he has and turning into like Terry Sawchuck circa 52, um, it's one of those things where it's weird, you know, he was a big prospect coming out and it just never showed up. And now it's starting to click. They're actually playing defense, which is weird um, for the Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, they kind of sold out. 
it feels like they're like, hey, the time is nigh. Like we got to We got to get a. We got to get some hardware going. Um, who do you see as after trade deadline? Really? Now, now this is a serious team, and and likewise, who have you seen that you know maybe took a step back, and and you're kind of shaking your head here. Uh, I'm going to start with Toronto um, because I I agree with you, and I, I think what helps it out this year is the Canadian division is just not good. I mean, it, it just isn't it's, real it's, tough, real yeah, tough. It, when you see those sends come in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a good division. I, I Edmonton has their flaws. Winnipeg has their flaws. Montreal has their flaws. I, you got, you laugh at me. Okay. But I, I'm Ottawa's doing it the right way. They really, they I'm got, not, they, I, they I got a bunch of cute little pieces. They're young, but they have a bunch of cute little pieces. They're not good. Let, let's let's make yeah. sure that we establish that. But I've seen them a lot watching, you know, them. Uh, you is know, it in, fair in to say North Ottawa division. is uh, – I'll give you this. Fair to say Ottawa is two years ahead of where the Red Wings want to be? I think that's a fair statement. Okay. And, and, they've, they've got a, and they've got a bunch of cute pieces here, you know, uh, playing right now and everything. Still need some work. There, there's no doubt about that. But right now a lot of their issues are – uh, they're green, but you know, if you're Toronto, you're, you're saying to yourself, we should have a free pass to the final four, you know, and, and this is a franchise that struggles to win a playoff series for goodness sake. So, um, you know, I, I think it was, I think it was very smart for them uh, to, to do what they did and, and, and put themselves in a position to, um, you know, say, Hey, let, let's give a go at it. Do they have enough to win it all? I don't think so. I, I, I don't, um, but the one thing we've learned in the national hockey league in this era of cost certainty, and I think the last few years have kind of proven this out is, you know, it's about, it's about attrition. It's about staying healthy. It's, you know, it's little things like that. And if they can get through relatively unscathed through the first couple of rounds, which I expect them to look out. I can't believe I'm saying that. Like, I feel dirty even saying that about the Leafs, but it'll be interesting to see been a long time since Doug Gilmore and uh you know since Toronto and LA going at it in the gardens been a long time yeah um is there a team that really took a step back that you just kind of scratching your head on um you know off the top of my head no um I think Boston improved themselves I I I always liked Colorado I, I I just think that Boy, that top line is just so stinking good. And, you know, I, I, I think they've, they've got some depth around them now and everything. And, you know, the big question there, obviously, is their goaltending as well because they're, you know, they're getting it from an, an unlikely source as far as I'm concerned. And um, so, no, no, you know what, Al, I, I can't think of anybody that, you know, when you talk about losers at the trade deadline, nah, I, I can't. One doesn't come to mind. Fair enough. Uh, well, we're going to have to have you and DMAC on come playoff time because I, it, it's funny. Like, I keep tabs on it. It's We're in that mode where, like, there's so much going on with Masters and Derby and, and this and that is happening. And then all of a sudden, hockey playoffs hits, and it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Right? Um, so I, I know we're going to talk soon. Hopefully I can get you and DMAC on. We can we can chat it up. Uh, I wanted to before we uh, get off here. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, 
a little bit about this. I saw you, Jack Ebling, and our good friend Rico Beard, um, two episodes back. Check it out in the uh, in the archives. You guys got on. You guys were chatting about a lot of stuff. We saw the spring game coming up this weekend for Michigan State. We talked extensively about MSU and where they're at. Uh, the thing we haven't really touched on is Michigan, and there, there's some peculiar stuff going on there. Um, being a college football savant as you are, uh, what's your kind of state? Uh, how, how did you um, come into that uh, uh, three-way conversation as well? Um, plug it if you can. No, you know what? I've, I've known, uh, Jack and Rico for years. Um, Jack, I used years ago, I used to do a, uh, a college football, uh, Saturday show with Jack Ebling. This is going back boy, about 20 years. And we've just stayed in touch. I, I respect Jack. Uh, I vaguely remember that too. Yeah. You I know what? I, I listen, I, I respect Jack as much as anybody in the business. I'm, I'm serious. He's just, he's an absolute pro. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed to say he's legitimately become a friend of mine and everything. And he's been doing a show, uh, up in Lansing, uh, for gosh, a few years now on, on the Fox affiliate up there. And, uh, in this day and age of COVID, as you well know, um, we we've been relegated to do a lot of those shows, uh, via well, zoom, like we're doing yeah. it. And so he's asked me a bunch of times if I wanted to be a guest. I, I now I've driven up there a couple times, you know, pre-COVID and everything. But you know, Rico's an old friend in the business, and um, so yeah, it's it's been fun to, you know, every few weeks uh, make an appearance on that show. Is is as you know, I used to be a regular on uh, Fox Two, but a couple of years ago, um, I cut back a lot. Um, you know, I, I mean, my schedule is still crazy busy as it is. But it was, you know, it was time, especially as I was nearing 50, um, where it was time to, to back off a little bit. And um, that was the one thing that I decided to back off of, because, you know, I, I would always say, uh, for example, my Sunday was start with television in the morning, then you do the Lions all day, and then I have to go back to television. So, you know, you leave your house at 9am, and sometimes you're back at midnight, you're back at 1230. And, you know, that that's my quote, unquote, day off you know you know what i mean so it was time to it was time to back off a little bit and this makes it easy for me because i i can just sit at home and you know chat with uh jack and, and rico so they uh do the show rico's pretty much uh, a regular guest there you know i'm on every few weeks and everything but yeah it's live on fox 47 and they jack does a good job of always uh tweeting out the episodes on on you know twitter and facebook and all of that so yeah it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun. I, uh, I, am going to go back through because I, I do like, uh, I really enjoy those conversations and you get Rico's very upfront about, you know, being, if we're talking MSU talking stuff, you know, we, we enjoy talking about college football, college athletics. Um, very hard to pick a better guy than, than Rico and, and certainly with Jack with MSU athletics, uh, I wanted to ask you though, spring games are, are here. Um, your thoughts on Michigan, Michigan state thoughts on the big 10. I mean, we saw Ohio state CJ Stroud looked very competent and 
Chris Olave looked like he was bathed in Crisco because like he was just nobody spinning and doing all that stuff. Well, it's still Ohio State's playground. Make no mistake about that. It's still Ohio State's playground. Um, you use the word peculiar with Michigan. I, I cannot see this lasting. I can't. Um, it, it, it's a strange scenario there. It, it reminds me a little bit about the D'Antonio situation a couple of years yeah. ago where, yeah. where you saw it, you knew it, you didn't want to believe it if you were a Spartan fan, but you saw it coming. And, and um, I, that's the way I feel about Michigan right now. I, I, I can't imagine that guy being here much longer. I, I, I can't, I, I just can't, it hasn't worked, um, you know, for all the um, bravado and, and more bravado than usual out of Michigan. Um, you know, it, it, they've won exactly nothing. I thought until last year, as crazy as it sounds that, that, People were being, um, I don't want to say too hard, but maybe a little hard on, on Harbaugh because he had good Big Ten teams, okay? And that's where it has to start. It has to start in your own conference. And I know Michigan fans don't like to hear that because they've been incapable of winning the conference. But if we all can accept that the Big Ten conference is less than other than Ohio State, and we should all accept that, you should be able to take care of business in your conference. And the fact that they're not able to take care of business in their own conference kind of speaks volumes to where they're at. But uh, Al, again, to me, everything, everything points to the Jim Harbaugh era coming to an end in the next year or two. Yeah. The reason why I pointed that out is I I think you need to read the tea leaves. If you look back a little bit further, a lot of staff transition. There's a lot of movement in the past three, four years of staff. We're not seeing signing of the stars. He's not going to knit gloves for the Pope with the team. You know, uh, they're not saving humpback whales in Alaska. They're not doing any of that. He's reeled it back in. You look at where they're recruiting and it's, the Northeast, it's literally Massachusetts, New Hampshire. I didn't even know they played football there. Um, you get a kid or two from California, and then it's Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yep. No Ohio. They, they've lost out on Ohio, and they'll get a kid from here or there, but it, it's very peculiar how they're recruiting. Then this year, you lose your recruiting director to Miss, Mississippi State. Uh, you bring in a guy whose background's from Fresno State and San Jose State. That's not where I would go to immediately to to pluck a guy. So that's one. You look at Xavier Worthy leaving the program. That's one of your biggest recruits and, and a position of need. And there's no transfers coming in. One guy that was nip and tuck at Texas Tech and Texas Tech historically the quarterbacks you know you know throw it up in the air they're gonna get 5,000 yards Alan Bowman outside of having a badass first name not not cutting it not cutting it not a Texas Tech quarterback absolutely not and it's really concerning because Michigan is really in a bad spot Indiana's good now. Um, Tom Allen, what he's done is is impressive. Big time. Uh, 
Shiano starting to get the machine going. As much as I hate, and, and you know this, Rutgers fans are the nicest people in the world, but Jesus, they'll let you know it, when they got a team that's six and six because they, they'll make it sound like they're going to go to the natty, okay? Uh, it, it's unbelievable. But he's starting to turn it around just like you thought he would. Um, I, I think you even said that a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mel Tucker, who we'll get to, the, the Big Ten East is not – Michigan's not walking into the Big Ten going, okay, we got six, seven easy wins. We'll have one or two tough games uh, to include Ohio State. And then we'll schedule one tough game, non-conference-ish, Notre Dame or whatever. We'll, we'll schedule a name. And, okay, so we got bare minimum nine wins. I don't think you have that anymore. No. And in fact, I, I don't even know if you have six on that schedule. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. It's, you know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, uh, the quote unquote saviors all kind of came in at the same time. James Franklin was a savior and, you know, the success that he had early on. I mean, let's not forget they did win the Big Ten one year. You know, it was that, Ohio that was State still- that ended up getting Bill O'Brien team. That was yeah, Bill O'Brien players. But and you know what? It, it's funny you mentioned that because was that was supposed to be the Franklin difference? Wait till you see the guys that Franklin's bring, brings in. If, if he's having the success with these guys, well, what's going to happen when he brings his own guys in? Clearly, they've taken a step back. Um, news flash to everybody in Nebraska. Nobody's scared of Scott Frost yet. I know everybody and their brother said that we were all supposed to be afraid of Scott Frost and, you know, all of that stuff. It's, it's, it's not happening there. Sean. And obviously it, it Michigan um, where at least you could say that they were better. Uh, that was a bad team last year. That was, that was a bad Michigan team last yeah. year. And um, that, that to me, that, that really spoke volume. So it's kind of interesting how that works out, isn't it? You know, Sean, uh, it's funny you bring up Nebraska. I keep saying it to people. They don't understand. And that's the fun part about college football fans. Like, they know just enough to get themselves in trouble. If you look at why UCF became a a juggernaut, Mm -hmm. you really look into what they – it's because they get – they are a first choice for all the guys who go, man – I can't make it at Georgia. I can't get to Florida. I can't get to Ole Miss, et cetera, even with Ole Miss doing whatever Ole Miss does. Um, these guys are castoffs from the SEC. So you get speed and you get it space. Josh Gaddis, speed and yeah. space, right? <laughs> um, and, and they perfected it there. It's not 1995. Tommy Frazier ain't at quarterback and Lawrence Phillips is not, you know, punching security guards out, you know, at the local bar. It's just not happening. So it, yeah, Nebraska is dead, but uh, I don't know. It, it's a perfect time for a young upstart head coach who, you know, can repair broken recruiting lines and create new ones in the South because he has, you know, connections to Nick Saban or Kirby Smart. It'd be great time for a coach like that. I can't think of one no, to I'm come in. And no. I'll tell you what, 
when you use the transfer market as a damn Costco uh, and buy in bulk, granted, what, what, what's the percentage, Sean? What, what do you think? 30%, 35% if we're lucky of these recruits are going to work out and be yeah. really successful. But guess what? Man, that's a lot of extra bodies. You're going to get the best player on the field. And last year, I wasn't always sure we had that. Yeah. It's, by the way, you mentioned something. I don't know if you and I have ever had this conversation. I, I, I am just one man's opinion. The 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers are the best college football team I've ever Ooh. seen. They, ah. they, I, I challenge anybody. This is, this is my homework assignment for anybody out there that's watching this. Go look at what they did to teams that year. They assassinated teams. They assassinated ranked teams. They assassinated poor teams. They assassinated middle of the road teams. They they assassinated people. That that can was a machine. Can I amend it? Yeah. Can I amend it? Here, here's what I'll give you. All right. 95 Nebraska is the best pre-2000 team ever. After 2000, it, it's, it's hard to compare. You know, whereas baseball, we can say, hey, Miggy Cabrera, uh, way better than Yaz. Mm -hmm. Or Miggy Cabrera, better than whatever. I think the problem with doing that is, you know, Frazier, for a time there, Nebraska ran a wishbone. Right. Um, what would that compare to against 2012 Alabama? You it's know? a great question. With and that's why I can only I can only talk about uh, and, and this is why I only talk about things that I saw. And I, it's tough to compare eras for one year, for one year, 1995, that that team was just a juggernaut. They, they steamrolled people. It was, it was amazing. And you know, it started week one. They, this is before they were in the big 10, obviously they, they, they pounded Nick Saban in Michigan state. And, and I mean, they just pounded people all year long. And of course it culminated with them absolutely destroying Steve Spurrier in Florida. I mean, it was, it was, they were sick, both sides I'll, of the I'll ball. They it, were sick. I'll give it to you that that team if you're going to go greatest seasons, I think if you just give them greatest seasons, uh, it's really hard to think of a better team Ooh, they or were a better sick. season. I should say a better season. I don't know about team aspect. Cause again, like you said, college football, it seems changes at this rate, every two to three years, four it does. years, it does. It, you know, RPOs are now taking over. Um, you know, a few years ago was the spread and Lord knows where it's going to go next. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I just want to talk a little college football. I know me and you'll get carried away and we'll talk. All night. <laughs> uh, Sean, where, where can people find you? Where can people get at you? Well, you know, I do a show, as you mentioned with uh, Joyke Bell every day at uh, Woodward Sports in woodwardsports.com we we stream we you know do a bunch of different things you can catch us on the social medias and everything uh work for wjr 760 wjr here uh do some high school stuff with uh state champs television and and online and everything so 
Yeah. I keep busy. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I keep telling myself I'm going to pair back and I do pair back, but at the same time, it keeps me busy. But, um, you know, I always say it, it beats working for a living. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I would ever call what you do for a living working. Uh, it's, it, it's a good it's deal. No, it's not. Shawnee B. I love you, bro. Thanks for coming on. Coming Anytime. up folks. Stay tuned uh, next week, Kentucky Derby. We have 10 guests. Uh, if you, it's going to be a rough week. You're looking at me, 10 interviews. It's going to be a long week. Uh, if you like them, Andy Serling, you, you like them on Fox, you like them on NBC, wherever you're seeing these folks, they're going to be here. Your favorite handicapper will be on next week. Then the week after college basketball, there's 1,400 players in the transfer portal as of today, Sean. Unbelievable. Um, we're going to talk to Jim Root from the three man weave and coach Greg Campy from your Oakland golden Grizzlies. Um, good man. Lost some weight, lost 50 pounds this year. Wow. Good for Walking. him. Good yeah. for him. Good um, for him. So shout out to him. So thank you to Jeff Nadeau. Thank you to you, Sean. Uh, we'll see you folks next week. We'll talk horses running in circles and how much money we can lose on them until <laughs> then next time.